let's start. Uh, thank you very much, Desmond, for accepting our invitation. Uh, now, uh, to just uh, to warm up the session, uh, just tell us lah, uh, who is Desmond Chan and uh, what do you do and so on and so forth. Just intro yourself. Please. All right. Hello. So my name is Desmond Chan. Uh, I'm actually the DEPC Kota Kinabalu chief. DEPC is actually DAP's youth wing, which is uh, Democratic Party Socialist Youth. So I'm the youth chief for the KK division, Kota Kinabalu division in Sabah. Uh, I'm currently working as a full-timer for uh, the YB Luyang, Hong Jingzhe. I'm the chief liaison officer to the Adun Luyang. So, uh, Ketua Pegawai Perhubungan lah. That's better known. So, whatever, uh, I'm handling mainly his schedule and also sometimes some press statements and so on with the media. So, that's what my main job is. And uh, I've graduated from a diploma on finance and investment from College Tar in Kuala Lumpur. So, I came back at the age of around 20 and started serving in both government and opposition. I've served when uh, Wabi Pong himself was the Minister of Youth and Sports. So I've been in the Ministry of Youth and Sports, Sabah. So after that, after the state elections in 2020, I've been serving in his office as the opposition as well. Uh, so that's most about it. All right. Uh, I think you have uh, other questions regarding his personal or something. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. So, uh, Desmond, you're quite considered a very young guy still. So I wanted to know because um, guys like me and Hafiz, we only really just follow politics from the outset, never really want to join. So what is it that got you to be involved in uh, the AP and the political work that you do? All right. So uh, actually, I forgot to introduce that. Uh, I'm 22 this year. So I joined the AP at the age of 19, which was 2019, when... Pakatan Harapan just took over the government. And that time, I was actually inspired by, by Saudara Pung Jinjir because uh, Saudara Jinjir, as he was the elected rep of where I grew up, which is Luyang. So he started to beautify community parks. He started to beautify the basketball community courts. So those are something that were very uh, close to my heart. And actually very i think it is very meaningful to the community who stays in luyang it's actually because we used to have the stereotype where basketball courts are very worn out the basketball the public parks are actually in very terrible condition but after he took over i sensed that there was a clear significant change to that so i was inspired by that i was i was inspired to join politics not to become a politician, but I was inspired to join politics because I wanted to volunteer and see how could I contribute to build a better community and a better neighborhood for the people of Luyang, of where the place I grew up and I was born in. So that was what inspired me to join the party and also uh, to join politics. So the initial purpose was to see how could I contribute to build a better community and neighborhood. Perfect, perfect. Like uh, I'm also from Luyang, so I can also definitely see the improvements that have been made in the past few years. Uh, so just hopefully the good work can keep on continuing and uh, we can see where Luyang can go from there. Lah. So Hafiz, over to you. All right, uh, I, I'm just I'm just scrolling through your LinkedIn here and uh, the it mentioned that you were also as a research officer when uh, when YB, YB Ginger was in uh, office. So tell us a little bit of experience as a very young age working uh, with uh, another young YB. I think that that was where I started to learn about policies, to learn about how does a government ministry function and how does the government function as a whole. So when we were in the government, I was actually entrusted with the job to research on uh, what policies or what things can the Ministry of Youth and Sports implement. So 
I threw in inputs and ideas during when I was in the office with uh, YB Ginger when he was the minister. So we actually had a lot of reforms. For example, uh, the, he removed that there was one terms and condition last time when you had to apply for a loan to start up a new entrepre uh, your entrepreneurship in Sabah, you need to have surat sokongan. You need to have surat sokongan so that you can get the loan from the government. But now it's fully removed. And we see that um, as a progressive move approach forward for young entrepreneurs, because young entrepreneurs, one of the problems is they lack connectivity. They lack they are lacking of connections to big tycoons, to big uh, to people with big backgrounds. That's why they start their businesses more. So we do not want to uh, have more hardships. I mean, we want to resolve the hardships and challenges they face. So I believe that's also what the government should be doing, which is to lessen the burden of the people and make uh, their lives easier in all approaches, in all uh, perspectives. So as a research officer, we also managed to push through to reform the star grading system. Uh, if you heard of it, actually, it was implemented right before the downfall of the government. Uh, it actually pushes and advocates for sports associations to truly uh, reform. And we would the government would allocate uh, fundings and allocations to sports associations depending on their merits. So last time, uh, sports associations would only get allocations annually from the state government uh, depending on their connections with the state government, depending on how well they mingle around with the minister and so on. So they would be allocated uh, accordingly. But this system is to ensure that a systematic and reform was implemented. So if you, uh, if you achieve, the sports association achieves how many medals on national levels, international levels or state levels competitions, then they get a higher amount of allocations. We want to be fair and square and allocate fundings according to merits. So that was also one of the things that we pushed through. I believe that there, being a research officer in the government days actually helped me to polish on how to research and find uh, progressive policies that are implemented in other countries and how do we shape them and mold them in a better way to put it into the Sabah's context into the state's context where it fits well for our youth and our uh, athletes in Sabah. So that was my experience during the youth and, ministry, uh, youth and sports ministry days. Do you have any idea if all the system that you guys introduced were still uh, in currently implemented? Um, from what I know, uh, the Shabas, the Shabas uh, so-called loan has been relaunched and renamed. And now that uh, there's a website for it, I, I mean, I'm very happy that no matter who's in the government, I think that policies should remain. Good policies should remain dis uh, despite the change of government and all. So this is the credit to, to the government for not abolishing the loan and actually making a website for application. So now, if you have a business less than a year or you wish to start up a business, the government will allocate around, I don't know, uh, I don't know about the exact details, but I think they have renamed it and relaunched it a week ago, a week or two ago by the chief minister. So there's a proper website, there's the proper terms and conditions to apply. So if you're in a business that for two to three years above, there's also another special loan for it. So you just have to submit your financial standings and your financial records. So it's actually a good approach that the policies that are implemented are still in line. I'm not sure about the star grading system. Uh, that will have to be checked again. But other than that, I truly hope that we can see Sabah and Malaysia progress forward to a nation that implements uh, good policies and good approaches despite the change of government. If it's a good thing, then we remain it. For example, in the national level, uh, during the Pakatan Harapan days, we launched this Pekka B40. Oh, I think we lost him along the way. Uh, yeah, uh, just wait for a few seconds and put you in scan now, wait for this man to come back on.
Uh, you are muted, Desmond. Yeah, I don't think I can still hear him. Uh, we cannot hear you, Desmond. Uh, yeah, still, hear. still no. Okay, just give us a few seconds. Well, hopefully any uh, uh, major political party out there would uh, sponsor us so that we can do this more seamlessly. Uh, <laughs> uh, we prove, you know, we will bring any topics. Well, I, I, think I, I don't think a StreamYard subscription is that expensive, you know, we think much, much. <laughs> well, well, it's not about the subscription, it's just about the whole thing, you know? Uh, connectivity uh, and all that. Yep. Yep, okay. Can uh, hear you Perfect. This is uh, one of the problems in Sabah, connectivity, you see? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and you are in Luyang. And you are in Luyang. <laughs> Even in, in town, you face these problems, so you can imagine how worse it is. <laughs> Definitely something we can all improve on. We want to see yeah. make better in the future. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay, so where were you? I was saying that um, we hope that the nation is governed by good policies. No matter change of government, if the policy is good, remain it, implement it, even make it better. So, for example, on the national level, I remember that KJ actually continued a program that was launched during Pakatan Harapan days, the Pekka B40 screening. Pekka B40 is a free health screening program, both physical and mental health free screening program for B40 communities. So it's to ensure that we do health screening earlier to, to identify whether there's actually hidden um, diseases that one has so that they can curb or heal in time to prevent it from worsening. So even after the downfall of the Pakatan Harapan government, after KJ took over the health ministry, he continued to allocate a huge amount of allocations for these programs. So we hope that moving forward in polit Malaysia's politics, governments can be mature and not scratch all everything that was implemented by the previous government and start from zero. We should start from good policies and maybe improve it, then credits Credits should be given where they are due. All right. Uh, moving swiftly on to because the title of this uh, video is "Can Pakatan Harapan Outperform Their 2018 Performance?" And so far, we talk about mostly about uh, uh, your personal experiences and a uh, little bit of local scene politics. Now, uh, before we go to what's happening in Pakatan Harapan right now, because uh, for the information of the audience right now, at the time of recording. Uh, the parliament has been dissolved and uh, general elections is uh, due to happen within the next 60 days. So that's yet to, uh, to be announced. So figure cross on uh, when the election commission will do. So after this, I will let uh, Adi ask four questions. But I would like to start with this, Desmond, before we go to Pakatan Harapan, I'm noting uh, all together. Yeah? Uh, can, can, because uh, I myself, uh, I'm not familiar with uh, 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 Rest-based politics, and then uh, more more often than not, we cannot we cannot uh, run away from this. And uh, can you enlighten some to some of us, our, our viewers, even to myself, that uh, uh, what is it that uh, in terms of Chinese politics uh, sentiment is it is it aligned with it in the, in the national level and Sabah or how is it any different because. You know, Malay politics is kind of uh, has its own uh, way, different also, like Sabah and Semenanjung, and national, local level may not be the same. But how about Chinese community? Are they any different? All right. Thank you, Hafiz. So I think for the Chinese community in Sabah as well, it's actually quite aligned with the national level uh, Chinese constituencies and the Chinese voters, what they, what they aspire to have for. They wish to have a more friendly environment for businesses. They wish there would be more friendly, and not only friendly, but more allocations to help SMEs, especially under the post-pandemic era. So 
that's why when we actually advise into the budget when meetings are full this time, we we ask the uh, finance minister to reduce the tax, to reduce the tax, uh, not only the bar for the tax, but also to reduce the percentage of the tax that is implemented to small and medium enterprises because they have been suffering a lot during the pandemic and they're just starting to recover after the pandemic. So these are what most Chinese voters hope for. The second most important topic that Chinese voters actually aspire and actually care about, very concerned about, is actually education. We wish to have a more equal education uh, allocation for not only, I mean schools as all, schools should be given equal allocation, regardless of what kind of schools they are, regardless of what syllabus they teach of, but as long as there is, uh, they are benefiting Malaysians as a whole, they should be given equal treatment and equal allocation. So that's what most Chinese voters are concerned of. And not only businesses, economy, education, but also we, uh, as a whole, when, when we serve in Luyang, so Luyang is one of the most highest population with Chinese voters. Chinese voters actually aspire to have a more inclusive and progressive community. Why so? It's because we do not, especially in Sabah, we do not wish to see very extreme and radical policies or comments or uh, statements released. For example, when passed in the, in the West, they are advocating to ban concerts and everything. We don't find it as, as a problem and we do not want such radical and racist remarks to be implemented in the East. So this is what Chinese voters hope in a whole, that we have a more inclusive, a more, um, a more friendly and progressive community for everyone. Because we believe that Malaysians as a whole should be treated equally, should be treated uh, the same. Yeah, I guess that's the eternal struggle that we're all facing in Malaysia. How can we make sure that everyone is included, everyone's properly represented? Um, but I just want to touch on that, like how the uh, the Chinese sentiment on the state level is quite aligned with the national level as well. Um, uh, what, what kind of um, other localized things that we can see that's very exclusive to Sabahan Chinese compared to uh, Chinese in West Malaysia? Like what kind of localized issues can we see? Do we see things like um, uh, more, um, more, how do you say, uh, emphasis on, uh, I don't know, um, uh, how, do, how about one kind of sub-issue that's uh, like autonomy or decentralization. Uh, is that also um, very uh, captured in the Chinese sentiment here in Sabah as well? I think, I think to put it in this way, not only to the Chinese group, but to Sabah Hans as a whole, the Sabah community actually faces a very serious issue and very severe issue that we wish to tackle. Pakatan Harapan wish to tackle in this election, which is the lagging behind on infrastructure. Not only major infrastructure, we're not talking about Penbonio highways. We're talking about infrastructure that causes frequent disruption of electricity supply, frequent disruption on water supply. Such, such things must be addressed in this election. Not only to the Chinese community that we, we care about this, but I believe my friends, uh, in the KDM, in the KDM community, share the same struggle. Every day, from Pinampang to Ketakinabalu to from Sembanga to Putatan, every day, everyone is experiencing worsening traffic congestion on peak hours. In the morning, at late evening, after work, the, on the peak hours, traffic congestion is worsening in KK, Greater Kota Kinabalu. Why so? Because we don't have public transportation. We don't have public transportation that is matured like what Samananjo has. So this is not only a concern of the Chinese community, but this is a concern of fellow Sabahans. So we must have a government that is willing, that has the political will to address such lagging behind on infrastructure. Because now in Greater Kota Kinabalu, if you do not own a vehicle, if you do not own a vehicle, your family does not have a vehicle, it would be even pricey for you to, trans to mobilize around you have to take Grab, which is much more pricier. So everyone owns a car. When everyone owns a car and there's no alternative, 
which is public transportation, when there's no public transportation as an alternative, the, the traffic congestion will only get worse and worse. When you want to build a U-turn flyover to ease the congestion, it takes up to two to three years. When the, when the flyover is completely built, the cars already tripled or, or quadrupled. So the, it's not a realistic way to address how the, the congestion and the issues that people are facing. We want a more direct and uh, inclusive approach. For example, introducing public transportation. This should be a norm in KK and Sabah politics. It should be a norm where we debate on policies, we debate on what we want to address and promise on. It should be issues-based debates. It should not be based on sentiments and so on. So, of course, Sabah politics has always have one problem. It's not race-based politics, but it's more regional-based politics. A lot of parties advocate for Sabah for Sabahans. We only want local Sabah parties. But to be exact, there's no total... It is not realistic and pragmatic. We are different from Sarawak. Why so is also demographically, we are different. One out of 10 of our relatives or family members are actually West Malaysians. We actually have a deep tie and bond to West Malaysians in, in Sabah. So it's different with Sarawakians. Sarawakians, they mainly, they, there's very uh, less and rare occasions where you see inter-religional marriage. But in Sabah, it's, very, it's, a, it's quite a norm. So you, you go out and ask 10, uh, maybe 8 out of 10 people, they actually have West Malaysian relatives. And maybe their partners are West Malaysians. Maybe their girlfriends are from Johor, the boyfriend is from Malacca. It's a norm. It's a norm in Sabah. So the sentiment of local, local sentiment doesn't work because it's not realistic. And it is actually a different way of hatred as well. It's quite dividing the community when you play local sentiments that we Sabah only want Sabahans. We want to chase away everyone. It's not a fair sentiment. And when we, when we look into politics in Sabah, now we have three big coalitions. We have Barisan Nasional, Pakatan Harapan, and also GRS. Is GRS a truly local party coalition? No, they have Bersatu. Is BN a local? For sure not. For sure not. So when we look at Harapan, are we a local uh, coalition? As well not. So every one of us is the same. We are a national coalition a coalition that has both local and national parties that fight for the interest for Sabahans. But we have to ensure the thing that we are saying are the members of these parties, these coalitions, these political parties are all Sabahans. So we have one common purpose, which is to fight for a better Sabah. So that's why I say local sentiments should not be fan or pan. It should not be played as a tool to divide the people that we must support local only because everyone is local even though some parties are not originated from here but we are local Sabahans the candidates are Sabahans how, how is it different when a candidate from Bersatu is actually more local compared to a candidate from Amno? it's wrong the, the, the statement itself is false because both of them are Sabahans they are born, raised, truly grown in Sabah so it's the same so when we want to differentiate whether this coalition or this government that are what are called offering themselves as candidates, we should de define and identify based on what they want to offer for Sabahans. So if one coalition proposes to improve the infrastructure and we have a pragmatic approach to, uh, to address these issues, for example, building uh, I mean, power plants or whatever it is, it must be pragmatic and not just candies like the budget 2023, just giving out candies everywhere. And we know that it's not a pragmatic way to, to resolve the issue. How can we address the economic issue when we just give out one-off cash aids of 2,000 ringgit and we expect that everyone is not going to be poor anymore? It's not realistic. So we, I think Sabah politics moving forward, we should be more into debates on issues, debates on policies and off offerings. What different parties can offer? What candidates can offer for the development of that area and to resolve 
the issues such as floods, water shortage, uh, disruption on electricity supply and so on. Internet co connectivity. This must be the main issues that people debate about. Not on local or not, not on whether whether I'm Sabahan enough or not. Those should not become another wave of uh, sentiments again in this upcoming election. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think we cannot fall into this whole trap of keep keeping Sabahan identity. Like, what does it really mean to be Sabahan as well? So I don't think anybody has the answer for that. So I think it's not appropriate to say, oh, you're not Sabahan enough to contest here because you're from this parties or you're not local enough. But yeah, I completely agree. If you are for the for Sabahans, then you're definitely Sabahan as well. So, Apis, over to you. Uh, oh, all right. Thank you for that segue, Adi. Um, you, you mentioned very just before I ask that my next question, like just briefly answer me. Uh, you mentioned about debate and whatnot. So is the AP Sabah ready to initiate this debate between a cross party or even internal party? Internally in the party, not lah. I mean, we do not want to debate internally in the party when we are facing elections. There's no point of uh, our candidate de debating with our other candidate. But of course, as a party in a whole, not only DAP, but uh, Pakatan Harapan as a whole, we are ready to propose the new offer, the, what do you call? The new offerings that we can bring to Sabahans as a coalition if we win the federal government elections. And what can we bring for true change? But uh, on the question on whether we are ready to initiate debates with the other side and everything, of course. And I would be more than happy to see that progressing forward. For example, uh, I actually very, I'm actually very happy to see that Malaysian politics progress forward in the on the national level. We can see the Pakatan Harapan's prime minister candidate uh, Anwar debating with Najib Razak on the uh, issue of Petronas last time, before Najib was arrested into jail. So, this is actually a big way forward for Malaysia's democracy. Imagine. In past days of Barisan National, there would never you never see there's gonna be a chance of an opposition leader debating with the government leader. There would never be a chance. Because we want because the old days they want to oppress all opposing voices. But because of Malaysians that truly believe in democracy, we managed to change the government in 2018. And that was a big leap for Malaysia's uh, Malaysia's democracy. As we move forward to debate on issues based on facts and figures. So uh, for DP Sabah, of course, we're more than ready and more than happy to accept challenges. If there's other candidates from other camps that want to debate on certain issues, maybe in that particular area, for example, if the candidate from MCA wants to debate with candidate from DAP for Kota Kinabalu on uh, traffic congestion, come, we're more than happy to do that. But of course, we wish that there's going to be some NGOs or something to make this to make the platform more neutral. We don't want it to be a DAP organized debate with another political party. It would be quite biased. It would be unfair. Yes, well, uh. yes I, would, I was about to say that like Committee Council will be more than happy to host and Adi and I will be the moderator for the debate happily to do that because we are someone dying to see our local leaders to, you know, to come up with ideas for the solution that like you said just now about cars, not enough infrastructure, enough with all this, who is more local, you or me? You know, this is uh, it's nonsense matter with the development of Sabah. Now, moving on to my next question before uh, we, we go to Adi's question. Uh, recently, uh, Mohidin Yassin mentioned that I'm declared I'm not as an enemy. Uh, and yesterday, Hamza Zainuddin says that uh, they will defend their 27 seats so that in the way that it will not uh, uh, in 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 with the three corner fight with with us and Amno. So even though they they, they recognize them themselves as not friend not allies, but at the same time they're willing to sit down and to consider so that it won't go to the PH. Uh, PH uh, with the seats. Now, is PH in Sabah and Warisan willing to strike out a deal something like this so that BN Amno GRS not gonna win like a walk in the park? Uh, 
to to answer your question, I think I think if you ask this to any Pakatan Harpan friends, they will ask they will answer you the same. The answer should the the question should be thrown to Warisan. We've been opening our doors until now. The doors is the doors are still open. The window is still open for negotiations and for discussions. But the problem is they are not willing to come to the table to talk. They are not willing to sit down to talk at all. To be to be frank, if you ask uh Warisan leaders whether they want to strike out a deal, they wouldn't answer you at all. I mean, you can ask them if they're willing to, to, to negotiate or not. We've been willing to meet up with Dr. Sireh Shafi Abdal, the Warisan president, and even the Secretary General of DAP has offered that he can pay a visit personally to his house if he's not free or anything, but he's not willing to talk. He's been declining all kinds of talks and declaring that they want to go solo. They've been declaring that they want to go solo since day one, and something quite fishy about that is because they are going into seats that are PKR and DAP incumbents, not in Sabah. In, for example, in Kedah, Warisan Kedah chairman has announced that they are going for five seats. Out of the five seats, four of them are PKR incumbents. One is Amana. Why are they going all out into Pakatan Harapan seats and not Barisan National is already something very fishy and when you really do that, it's very hard to strike out a deal anymore because you're literally asking for all of our seats. And how do we give you all of our seats that are already won by the incumbents, the incumbent parliamentarians and state assemblymans? Uh, I don't think that's how you negotiate and how you discuss in a friendly manner. So the question should not be asked to Pakatan Harapan whether we want to strike out a deal or not. We've been more than happy to. We've been the doors are still open and everything, but they want to strike us out, and they think that they assume that they can replace everyone. They can replace PKR, they can replace Amana, they can replace DAP, they can replace Muda. Everyone, they want to replace everyone, including GRS, Amno, everyone. They want to conquer and rule the country under themselves. So, if that's the case, uh, we wish them all the best. Yeah, very interesting now that Warisan seems to be going out on their own. <laughs> I mean, uh, would that ever spell a great ingredient for success for any party suddenly just going up every single sea or sapu everything? <laughs> but I have a question here, like um, when it comes to how you mentioned how Malaysian politics is advancing in a way that's quite cooperative, right? I think um, it was the memorandum of understanding, which is quite a hallmark for Malaysian politics, that we could see that uh, the opposition and the government, they're actually deciding to work together do you hope to see, what do you hope to see with that kind of trend? Do you hope to see it be continued if, let's say, Pakatan Harapan wins? Would there be some kind of MOU with the opposition in the end or vice versa? Um, how does how do you think that will play out this morning? Uh, to answer that, actually, on Pakatan Harapan's side, we have been advocating for the CDA, the Constituency Development Act, where no longer you need an MOU, but it would be an institutional reform by enacting a law to ensure that all constituencies, all elected representatives by the people have equal allocation from the government annually. So by that, I don't see that there would be still a need for an MOU because it would be an institutional reform that benefits all Malaysians throughout Malaysia. Sabahan, Sarawakians, no matter the opposition or the government, you get equal allocations for your constituency because we believe that they are all Malaysians and Sabahans. You should not be punished because you vote for the opposition. Same goes to uh, Amno. If Amno falls and becomes the opposition, we believe that these people who voted for Amno in their constituencies should not be punished. They are still Malaysians. They are still fellow Sabahans and Sarawakians. We should be treated equally by the government because the government should not be the government is formed by political parties, but it should not be uh, politically divided on how they treat the people. So that's what we hope to offer as well. So we want to introduce the Parliamentary Reform Act where the parliament can be totally independent from the government. So it can run, it can run independently. The speaker doesn't have to listen to the government. 
the, the speaker can rule rulings accordingly in a neutral stance. And also, that's what I hope to see forward from Malaysia. Of course, if Bersatu and PAS manage to shred uh, UMNO's support, and UMNO is not able to form the government on themselves, which means the government has to end up becoming another Perikatan National and Barisan National Government, a coalition government, or maybe if Pakatan Harapan cannot reach a simple majority, then we have to strike out a deal with maybe GPS, maybe Sarawak. So if a coalition government happens like that, of course, it must be on terms and conditions. And the terms and conditions must be transparent to Malaysians who trusted and voted for that coalition. So it should be something like an MOU, but publicly uh, released to allow everyone to know what are the terms and conditions to ensure transparency and accountability is upheld when the government is formed. So that's what I hope. Uh, and moving forward, I really hope to see that Malaysia's politics progress forward to a more, what I call, uh, bipartisanship where we have professional select committees the government tables a bill, it has to go to the select committee. The select committee goes through the whole bill and shows that there's no problem. If there's a problem, the opposition raises it and the government can listen rationally and put up and make amendments accordingly. Then that would be beneficial to all Malaysians, Sabahans and Sarakins, not only uh, to the government itself. So that's why uh, I also tell... I mean, when we are on our campaign, we also tell Malaysians that you have to vote for government that is not one party rule. If you want Pakatan Harapan to win 190 seats and rule under one umbrella, big umbrella only, and rule out every opposition, it's not going to be healthy for Malaysia's democracy as well. So we want to have a government that introduces institutional reforms. So no matter whoever becomes the government after this, Every Malaysians are still equally treated, uh, fairly treated. Yeah, I really appreciate that answer. It's very refreshing to hear somebody say that you know it doesn't matter which party you fall under. Bipartisanship is uh, the key road to cultivating a very healthy democracy. Uh, so I have another question to you as we gear up towards the election. So um, this is one political analyst, Nasruddin Muhammad. He said that. Um, Popularity on social media is uh, the key to attracting youth votes. Now, they say that the youth is the new X factor here when it comes to the election now that we've lowered the uh, vote, the required voting age from 20 to 18 years old. So how do you see this playing out when it comes to the general election? Because we had hoped that youths were able to vote back in uh, 2018, uh, but here we are in 2022. Uh, where do you see that... Um, playing out this like because you you're quite young yourself and you were 19 during uh 20 during the first during the, uh g14 i mean the last general election so where do you see this playing out do you think it's going to remain the same the status quo will remain the same or do you feel like the youths have a more radical approach to who they're voting in terms of trends or who they look towards as a leader i think uh going back to this uh i actually agree with something that was published by our DAP Deputy Secretary General, uh, Sarah Liu Chintong's statement, where Pakatan Harapan should stop um, our negative campaign. It should start a positive campaign where telling people what we can offer if we win. Stop attacking the other political divide and blaming uh, whoever will take over the government. So... By that, it means young people are actually mature enough to vote. They know Dajib Razak is, uh, has committed a crime. You don't have to repeatedly tell them that Barisan National might be full of corrupts. They understand. They know. But they want to know what your coalition as an alternative can offer. So... This is not only a way forward to win young voters, but also it's a way to see Malaysia's democracy uh, get more mature, where parties don't fight against each other by just pointing fingers, scolding leaders, and so on. It should be on what policies that you can provide if you take over the government, you'll be implementing what, what, what? One, two, three, four. To address what issues, one, two, three, four. 
it should be like that so i believe that uh social media as mentioned by ad just now it would be a very crucial battleground for all parties so that's also why it is very important for young voters to truly understand on how to identify whether the information on social media is correct or false that's the biggest concern of political parties we might not know whether uh, this information released by certain maybe citros or anything are false but does do young people understand on how to differentiate and identify whether these are correct or not so that is what uh we are very concerned of and we hope that we can produce more uh, social media materials on helping to educate our young voters not only on how uh, or not only on how Pakatan Harapan offers other better alternatives, but also on how to differentiate correct and false information. I think that's the most concerning part to how to win young voters. Yeah, I think that's a uh, very on point, and I totally agree with uh, what uh, Lee Chin Tong said in the in the Aisrawani interview when he said that you should not focus on negative but should focus on positive. But also, at this point, at the same time, we should understand as well that people in the rural area, they are, they are what we call emotional voters. So uh, to them, if you talk about uh, what we need to achieve, our vision or whatever, for them, it's this is something just very, you know, not so important to them. For them, they want to know who is the next Ketua Kampung. Is it going to be their next family? Or is the, is the new market will be will be will be rebuilt or whatever because of the recent flood this kind of thing that closer to their heart so i understand some politicians like like to hang on to this negative uh, narrative because this is very emotional and the, this is emotion that gonna uh, gonna voters in some parts of the country not in the cities but in rural cities okay having said that on that note of uh, saying that i want to ask you a question about the recent development between th and muda all right as a youth you are very very young 20, uh, 22 years old and you are also youth chief of a very mainstream party in Malaysia all right the, the establishment that you going through bureaucracy it's there now do you as a youth chief do you see muda as a threat to the potential recruitment of young uh, members young voters out there like muda is is very uh, upfront right now, you see on TikTok or whatever, they keep share, be sharing about Muda and everything because it's it's just the trend right now with the cool black t-shirt, minimalist logo, Muda. You know, what's not to like? Like, when was the last time you see teenagers wearing all red, you know? But they like to wear black jeans, black shirt. This is Muda. Do you see Muda as a trend? Um, to answer that question, it should be given that uh, Muda, Muda is not a threat to Pakatan Harapan and the youth wings as a whole. It should become a motivation and a friendly competition among other uh, coalition partners as well. For example, that we don't see uh, Angkatan Muda Keadilan AMK as a threat to Depsi because we inspire different youths that believe in different inspirations and different party ideologies, but we share a common goal. All these parties, coalition partners, including Muda, PKR, Amana, APCO, we share a common goal. We share a common, we share common values across the board. So, uh, it's, I mean, if we put a comment that Muda is a threat to us, it would be similar to me viewing APCO youths as a threat to me absorbing uh, more KDM younger generations. I don't I don't view it that way in a past uh, in a personal capacity where I believe that it's more of a friendly competition on how do you absorb more uh, young people into the party and maybe to DAP our culture is different. We do not do it like the Amno way where we want a lot lot crowded uh, pemudas to join in. We don't do. We don't do like uh, suddenly we announce that we have 500 new members coming in. We don't do things like that because we want to ensure that people who join us understand the ideology and the struggle we are in. And ever since the AP has been established, uh, what are our struggles and mission and vision? 
We want to fight for an equal Malaysian Malaysia. We want we believe we understand. Everyone are born in different family backgrounds. Everyone have different financial capabilities. Everyone have different strengths and weaknesses. But as the government, we we believe that the government of the day, if DAP as social democrats, we hope to provide more equal treatment to everyone. We hope to make sure that everyone, despite that you have different backgrounds, different financial capabilities, and so on. You start on the same starting line with everyone else. That's why we believe in free and fair education. We believe in free and fair healthcare treatment. We do not want the wealthy to continue to be wealthier and the poor to continue to be poorer. We want the poor to get wealthy as well, and we want the wealthy to continue to get wealthy as well. We do not want anyone to become poor. So that's the ideology of DAP. We hope to build. Uh, we hope to help. The marginalized community. We hope to help the more minority groups to grow up and groom them into more capable leaders, and not leave them behind just like that. Okay, because uh, sometimes B forty groups they have they lack of confidence because they believe that they will never be able to achieve success because they come from a poor family and they have poor conditions. That's why that is where the government should inter. To intervene and help them, the government should provide quality and free education. The government should give out free education loans to families that are in need, but they can perform well. And that's why we want a Malaysia that treats our children based on merits and not race and religion. So that's what DAP advocates for. So I don't see any other parties and their youth wings as a threat, but it's more like a friendly competition. Like we play futsal with our friends in BSA, we don't see them as enemies. We see them as friendly competitors. That's why we hope that no matter whoever wins more support or whole, but at the end of the day, we're still we're still allies. We're still coalition partners. We're still component parties together fighting for a common goal. So that's the main purpose. That uh, that should be the way forward of how we view Muda. It should not be viewed as a threat to Pakatan Harapan. But it is a complement to Pakatan Harapan, and it should be a strategic partner to Pakatan Harapan as a whole. Yeah, perfect. You know, it's still carrying off that um, non-partisan spirit that everyone we should, you know, if we're all here for Malaysia, we should all just work together. There's nothing wrong with like crossing the aisle to say, hey, you know, kami kawan juga again. Let's work together. Uh, but now I want to try to wrap it with my last question here: is that um, when it comes to voter turnout? There has always been quite a serious issue when it comes to elections. We sometimes see in some constituencies that um, not a lot of people turn up. Sometimes you would even see a voter turnout of at least 50%. And we would see candidates win by just a very small margin in the double digits uh, margin. So I'm not sure if people now uh, that will be going to the polls would be um, discouraged from voting. But I want to always try to bring up this message that it doesn't matter if, uh, let's say, the candidate you want wins or loses as long as you go out to vote, as long as you participate in the electoral process. So I want to ask Desmond, like, what, what is your personal message to people who are on the fence about voting and feel like their vote doesn't matter? Because there are a lot of people out there that feels like, what's the point of me voting? Because uh, we've seen that uh, governments can easily fall by people switching here and there, like allegiances changing. Of course, we have the anti-hopping bill coming soon. but people still have that perception that there's no point in me voting and i just want to gauge what is it that you can say to these people to encourage them to show that their votes really do matter i think as a whole uh it's not only a responsibility as a fellow malaysian fellow sabahan and so on but if you are fed up with how lagging behind your place has been developed you are fed up with how you have to clean up every time after floods occur in your place. You're fed up with how uh, you have to always endure the heatiness after electric, uh, electricity disruption for a few hours, then come out to vote. Your vote does not only matter to yourself, but it matters to politicians. It is a symbol of 
opposing. It is a symbol to tell them that you should not be taken as you should not take be taken for granted. For example, if an Amno stronghold, maybe for example Pekan, people think that their vote don't matter because Najib will win anyway. But if you come out the vote, and Najib from winning ten thousand majority suddenly shrink to winning five hundred only, he will work extra hard. He will go down turun padang and understand what are the concerns. Why suddenly so many people go against me? Although I still win, I'm still a YB, but they will feel that there is a sense of threat. So they will work extra harder for your area and that's a win to you. That's a win to you as a citizen, uh, to you as a fellow Malaysian. So I, if you have been experienced, uh, expressing a lot of frustrations and you think that the government is not doing enough to address your concerns, then come out to vote. Come out to vote to make sure that your voice has is been uh is heard by politicians and not taking you for granted and taking the win the victory of that constituency for granted. Don't let them walk away with a simple victory. So that's what I hope that uh, fellow Malaysians can come out and vote. And I also hope that one day SPR can make voting easier for Sabahans and. Sarawakians. For Sabahans and Sarawakians residing in, for example, for Sabahans residing in Sarawak and West Malaysia should be able to have postal voting as well. That should be made available to ensure that voting is convenient, voting is easy and voter friendly. That is what SPR should be doing to ensure that there is a higher voter turnout. Because we understand there's lacking of employment opportunities in Sabah. That's why most Sabahans move out of the state to not foreign countries, but to West Malaysia, to Sarawak to work. So SPR should make postal voting for them available to them so that the voter turnout would be higher because they don't have to bear high airfare and high transportation costs to come back and take leave to vote. So that's, that's for me. <laughs> Alright, totally agree on that. Like, uh, definitely the facility to uh, to do postal vote, it's uh, it's much needed for uh, Sabahan to vote for their respective uh, constituency there. Uh, we have, uh, I think, like one or two questions left, Desmond. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Uh, we, I, I would like to touch on a little bit uh, Pakatan Harapan's weaknesses, which is what I call like the failure to gain uh, support from the from the rural area and uh, even even um, uh, a leader like uh, Rafizi Ramli uh, admitted this and this should be addressed and recently he also says that the responsibility to uh, garner support from from the uh, uh, rural areas is not just uh, depending on on Amana and PKR because yes Amana and PKR are uh, relatively quite have a lot of uh, majority members, but also the AP. So we all know the AP mostly in uh, urban areas. So uh, what do you think that uh, the AP do differently this time compared to 2018 or whenever that in 2022, the, the AP do something to gain votes from uh, not so cities area, not urban area? I mean, that's... Uh, uh... That sometimes also uh, media's perspective pick up on how the statements translates out. Lah. But I believe that that's not the message that uh, Rafizi really means because as far as I'm concerned, inside Majlis President's meetings, he's been okay with everyone. Um, to be frank, we know that DAP has our weaknesses. We're trying to improve from time to time. So this round of elections, you will see a lot more new faces, not from the commonly known DAP Chinese male, but you will see more representatives from uh, multi-ethnicity and multi-racial groups. You will, uh, but to be frank, in 2018, DAP has the first ever Murut uh, representative elected into Dewan Rakyat into Parliament which is Tandem, uh, Saudari Norita. It wasn't from Barisan National. It wasn't from PKI or Amana. The first ever Murut representative is from DAP. 
the first ever uh i'm not sure whether it's iban uh, but from sarawak is modi is also from dap you see so many first ever minority ethnicity groups representatives are elected into the dewan rakyat actually is from dap just that we want to break the stereotype where dap is only a chinese dominated party we want to break the stereotype for sure we want to break the break the stigma for sure so that's also why we are trying to improve and this time you will see many many new faces and new constituencies that dap is contesting that you would never imagine uh you will never imagine that dap will venture into that place but we have ready and capable and good candidates for seats that are not chinese dominated but more uh native dominated kadazan dominated uh and also even in west malaysia you see a lot of malay dominated seats for uh will be contested under dap and under the harapan coalition so we are making efforts to improve from our weaknesses as well yeah that's a uh, that's definitely what we can see dp doing right now very progressive in terms of your approach in winning the hearts of not just uh, people in the city but also in the rural area now my very last question for today desmond uh what and maybe how do you see yourself in the next five ten years politically uh, especially like do you see contesting in any of the adun seats or maybe uh parliament seats you, you know so you can go hand in hand with uh, uh your boss now yb ginger and uh what's your maybe prediction or what not about ge15 all right to to answer the question uh i think it's a dp culture dp most people who join dp we never join the party to contest we never join the party to become a yb we never join the party to become filthy rich we never join the party to become a big name but if the party entrusts us into taking up larger responsibilities then we are ready more than ready and happy to take up responsibilities but that's not the aim or why the reason of joining the dap as a political party and i don't think that's what i desire to do so no matter where i would be after 5 or 10 years i hope that uh i would be able to help at the maximum capacity to help dap and harapan as a whole to win elections to govern again and implement more and better policies this time we want a one full term we want a one full term for pakatan harapan government to prove that we are worth a full term of chances we are worth a chance to the, to prove to the people that we can implement good policies that are truly going to change the lives of fellow, fellow malaysians and sabahans and coming into g15 prediction same as her, what my party leadership has mentioned a lot of times i believe that no parties including pakatan harapan including uh amno parisan national including perikatan national no one will achieve simple majority 112 so when that happens uh no one will achieve simple majority 112 in semenanjung they will have to come to sabah and sarawak when you come to sabah and sarawak pakatan harapan sabah hopes to uh hopes to deliver in numbers to achieve to the nearest to simple majority but when simple majority does not is not obtained by any coalition who ever that has the majority uh not majority uh. for example if amno and barisan national only has 100 we have 102 pakatan harapan has 102 agung will call pakatan harapan's uh, president which is dato sri anwar ibrahim to uh audience grant an audience to him to uh meet agung and agung will give him one to two days time to call for support to lobby for support from different coalitions so we want to try to best the best to help pakatan harapan to have more to have a majority over uh barisan national we 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 of course the best outcome is we achieve simple majority but my prediction is the same 
I don't believe that any coalition can can garner simple majority throughout Malaysia as Sarawak is going solo and Pakatan Harapan is unable to achieve simple majority easily unless we see a breakout between Parisan National with PAS, a very severe breakout in Semenanjung, and we see that GRS and Barisan National in Sabah is unable to see eye to eye, then we have higher chances of achieving simple majority on polling day. But if it remains as the, as the situation now, my prediction is that no one achieves simple majority and it's a 50-50 game. So I hope that Pakatan Harapan will do its best. We will try our best to win more seats and garner more support. All right, and with that, I think we've exhausted all the questions and we've just hit the one hour mark. Desmond, thank you so much for allowing to your time here with us today. I know you're having a busy schedule, but this has been a very refreshing and very robust conversation. It's good to see that there are a lot of uh, young leaders out there that has very progressive views on where our democracy is going. And we hope to see more leaders such as you take up the reins of leadership uh, moving forward in Malaysia. Uh, so we wish you all the best in the upcoming elections. Uh, we wish you all the best in uh, campaigning and we hope to see where it goes from there and perhaps maybe we can have like uh, another session to discuss the aftermath if we can ever have the time to do so. So uh, I'll leave it to Hafiz for the last closing remarks. All right. Uh, with that, uh, thank you very much, Adi, to, to be my co-host for today and Desmond for answering all the questions. Uh, we try to strive uh, a better conversation. We don't... We, like like you, you mentioned just now, like we want to talk about ideas. We don't want to talk about uh, who was Sabahan or whatnot, all this nonsense. So thank you very much for put forward all your thoughts that we think are a great contribution to, to Luyang, to Sabah, to Malaysia as a whole. And to our audience out there, you can listen to Competent Council on uh, Spotify and also Apple Podcasts on any time you want, uh, it's on demand, and this live can be seen on our Facebook and soon on our YouTube channel as well. So with that, thank you very much, Desmond Chan. Adi, goodbye for now. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Goodbye.